Hey, welcome everybody. Good morning to those watching us live on Baseball Life, the Facebook group, the best baseball Facebook group ever out there, anywhere in the world, in the entire internet world. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. And with me, as always, is my co host, Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing? I am awesome. I had a completely boring Halloween. I was at work. There was a blood moon. I thought all hell was going to break loose, but nothing happened. I came home. I watched The Mandalorian. It was fantastic. And then I got to bed early, and here I am. I was all ready Uh, for the podcast because I am super excited for today's show. I know that you mentioned we have a guest, and I can't wait for us to introduce him. It's actually a blue moon, uh, Sean, not a blood moon. I think oh, blood no, moon. It's, it's a blood move. Come on now. Blood moon. I didn't see any blood. Well, really quick, I uh, <laughs> just wanted to point out that Sean Connery uh, has passed away. So yeah. I made it a, a very special uh, mention in my head not to call you that today, as I uh, want to do Sean Connery Flannery. Um, but you might be the last uh, bastion of that uh, remembering of uh, Sean Connery. Is, yeah, uh, that, that was my entire life. People would ask for my full name, and I'd say Sean Connery Flannery, and they'd be like, Oh, like Sean Connery. Yeah, exactly like him. Yep. If you take the last three of my last name and put them on my middle, I, I guess you got it. Yeah, and that's why I, that's where my stumble is always. Uh, and I've been doing a lot better lately, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I might just do it once in a while just to kind of uh, show respect or, or uh, sky point to the great late Sean Connery. At any rate, go ahead and introduce the uh, guest uh, here. He's uh, not on video. He's an audio only, but we can hear him. Go ahead, Sean. So... This guy I've been following on Twitter for a while, and he was in our 30-team dynasty mock that we participated in. Uh, guys from all over the industry were in it, hosted by the Dynasty Guru. It set a lot of near or new ADP trends because it was happening during the playoffs, and the running joke was a Rosarena went and then a Rosarena broke the playoff record, and we're like, we kept saying, there goes his ADP another 10 spots. And, um, but anyway, he was in there with us and he has always cracked me up. I love his writing. I love his insights on Twitter. Uh, the one and only Trevor Huth. Introduce yourself, Trevor. Yeah. Hey guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, what I wouldn't call what I do insights necessarily more <laughs> just seeing things and not taking it too seriously, but, uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on and I'm excited to be here. To talk. That was a very fun mock. Um, yeah. Oh, lots of fun. Cause I had no idea what I was doing per usual. So it was just a great time to uh, all around. I mean, 30 teams is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, they, they uh, have me on cause I think I'm, I'm uh, qualified to, be, to do so probably cause a bunch of other people are convinced I'm good enough to do stuff and I don't believe them, but uh, you know, I, I write picture list prospects live um, a few other places. Bless you boys. Big tigers fan here. Yeah. So uh <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 this is a weird, the weirdest and probably worst self intro ever, but uh, I'm happy to be here. And well, you I don't see, know much. I was oh, go go sleep, go sleep. Yeah, I don't know much about you, Trevor. So, uh, wh- where do you say you write? You, you, you say you're a writer, right? Yeah. So, um, I write a bunch of different places, uh, too many to really count, but uh, <laughs> uh, bless you boys and Viva Albertos uh, for, for SB Nation. Nice. Uh, covering the Tigers and the, the Cardinals. And then. Uh, pitcher list. I, I, I'm on their dynasty team covering prospects and uh, prospects live. They let me edit their podcast for a while and then told me I could start writing. And now we're in the middle of, uh, of list season. So I'm a big yeah. prospect guy. That's kind of my, my niche. So um, yeah. And speaking of prospect live, I have no self-control and I joined two uh, prospect live drafts over the 
<laughs> over the last two days. So there goes all my money. <laughs> yeah, Smata put Smata started that last year, and he put him out on the the staff pages, and and I just I joined three of them, and I'm like, I'm not gonna have any money left by the time. <laughs> I need to like pay rent or something. It's like I kept joining and I was like, I need to stop at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and I checked and I finished. I had incredible consistency in those leagues. I'm in three of them. I finished 16th, 17th, and 18th. So not good. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're, you're reliable. You're finishing in that middle of the pack area. or end of behind the pack. To, <laughs> four years left to turn it around. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing about, I thought, these is, you know, that it is the whole five-year format. So uh, you still have that time to make up the ground. And that's how I ended up taking Evan White in the fourth round of one of those. Because, like, it's 30 teams. Like, get your guys. I thought, I think over five years, I was like, Evan White's going to be a dude. We'll see. He's the next Paulie Goldschmidt, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? Of course. He just has a swing and miss issue, but that's neither here nor there. So just some like kind of quick to know you uh, or quick get to know you questions. Uh, you mentioned that you're a Tigers fan. How long have you been a Tigers fan and what led you to being a Tigers fan? Yeah. So actually growing up, I was a Cardinals fan because um, I, I was young and in St. Louis and that's kind of that'll pull you in um, in college. I got an internship with a radio station called WJR um, and I showed up expecting to do radio and not be on the radio because that's a massive, massive radio station, but expecting to learn behind the scenes stuff. And they go, hey, we need you to cover the Tigers for us. I'm like, I can do that probably. I think that's in my skill set. And um, so they got me a press pass and, and I was sitting in the uh, in the press box of Comerica Park and watching this team get the hell beaten out of them every single night. And I, I was like, you know, this is fun. I, I'm enjoying this. It's, no, it's I mean, uh, like win, the slight I, I masochism kinda... that's inside every fan. It's like <laughs> when your team is just absolutely getting shellacked and it's like gotten to the point where this is fun. Like being a Rutgers fan, the after the first year in the Big Ten, it was just all downhill. And it was just year after year of getting beat. And it's like, this is fun. I'm a Rutgers fan. I have something to, so when they are finally good, I'm going to have a story to tell everyone. That's the, the you know best part about is. fandoms. You know what it is? It's the atmosphere of Detroit sports that I, I think is just unmatched. Um, they're all bad. Uh, they got that in common, but it's, it's just fun to like, there's, there's pride in, in these are our teams and um, they just moved the uh, uh, Red Wings hockey, which I, you know, give or take hockey, but the Red Wings and the Pistons both moved to Little Caesars Arena, um, which is essentially across the street from Comerica. And right on the other side of Comerica is Ford Field. So all of the all of the teams are within a block of each other. It's really cool. And my favorite part about the Detroit sports scene, I think, is the weirdest thing. But if you look at the right angle, if you're in Comerica Park at the right angle, you can see Ford Field in between the Jumbotron and the upper left field stands. And I think that's the coolest attention to detail thing that I have ever pretty seen. Cool. So, <laughs> so I, I think I finally been that one, atmosphere. I think I've been upstage, Felipe. I had a press uh, press pass to Riverfront Ballpark in Montgomery for the double A Southern League Montgomery Biscuits. This guy had a press pass to the Detroit Tigers. What? He's, he's big leaguing you, man. Yeah, he's big leaguing <laughs> me, man. I, I invite him on the show and he makes me look bad. Oh, well, really quick. I just wanted to point out that Rutgers did lose to Indiana yesterday. I was thinking about you, Sean. I felt hey, bad. Did you guys see the uh, amazing play, though? I, I know we're going in a complete opposite direction, but on fourth and 32, they had an eight lateral play 
that ended up going all the way back to their 20 and they scored on it. And then the refs brought it back because the fifth out of the eighth lateral technically went forward and it was all called back. It was very, very sad, but it would have been, and it would have been just enough to cover the spread too. So a lot of people lost their minds over that, but it's okay. We actually won a big 10 game in week one. So we're moving past that. Um, Trevor, when did you get into fantasy baseball? Really? Um, about the time that I got into prospects. So I had always kind of done fantasy baseball, but it was, it was co-managing with my dad because he didn't know the players and I did. And I barely have the attention span to set a lineup every day. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, so he would kind of do that. I, I'd get all the players. I always kind of did that. And then, you know, you know, friends in college, like, Oh, you want to do a fantasy league? Sure. Why not? And then, I started writing for pitcher list because it was just, a, I, I loved what they did and they were looking to hire. And, and I thought I could write about prospects there and their dynasty thing. And then all of a sudden um, Ray Butler of prospects, three sixty five is putting together this like expert league. And I told him I'd, I'd be in it thinking I'd be one of the fans. And he goes, Oh yeah, we'll put you on our expert league. And I'm like, well, I'm going to come in last. Um, so that was kind of the, that's probably like the biggest, you know, I, <laughs> I've never, I don't know that I'd ever won a fantasy league. Maybe I did once when I was like seven, just cause I got lucky. All of a sudden I'm in this expert league cause I just want to write about prospects. And, and so I'm like, well, I need to bring somebody on. Cause if I don't, I'm going to be, you know, paying this buy-in to just donate to the pot. Cause <laughs> I'm going to draft all these prospects and never try to win. So uh, I brought in a buddy of mine who does absolutely no fantasy baseball content, even a little, and he's my co-manager. And he's like, okay, we're going to win now. We won the league. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Sometimes you just need someone who doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> right. So, like, it was the best hiring decision I've ever made was to bring in my buddy who does no fantasy baseball content just to come and run this league, this team with me. But um, that's kind of uh, the extent of fantasy. It just It's just a vehicle for me to talk about prospects and, and somehow people – Listen, and somehow I got to, to rub elbows with some fun people in that expert league. And now, I don't know, man, it's all been weird. It's all over the span of like a year and a half. This has all happened and it's, it's awesome. That's fun. And, and we'll get some prospects. We'll look, dive into your end of the pool uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, Felipe, what, what do you got for Trevor? No, I was just going to, that was something interesting that he mentioned. I wanted to point out that he got into fantasy baseball as a way to kind of uh, what, what, uh, show off his prospects knowledge if i got it correctly <laughs> and it's it's like this almost the same reason why i got into fantasy baseball or and it's just because i i had this unending curiosity about baseball and this is a great way to see if my curiosities and my hypotheses actually match up with a fantasy realm i guess so it's pretty interesting that he that he kind of uh, mentioned that right there i just thought it was uh, pretty cool um as uh, we talked about uh, before Sean, everybody has a reason why they do fantasy baseball, yeah. um, and some of them just do it because it's fun. Uh, I forgot your reasoning behind it. I think you just like to lose all the time. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I like to donate money to the pot. Obviously, I'm a charitable a person. Fan. I'm charitable. Same reason I'm a Tigers fan. He just likes the the hurt. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well uh, and I'm a White Sox fan. Well, half a White Sox fan. The other side's a Cubs fan, but the White Sox fan, and I just like the big hurt, Frank Thomas. Um, <laughs> So, so I'm like completely, you know, Sean asked me to be a, Hey, you want to be a part of this expert league? Like, all right, what do I got to do? You just got to like be my partner in this. All right, fine. And, but so uh, 
this was done. It's it's called Dynasty Guru, right? So is yes. that the website? Is that the league? Is that just the league that, name? That, that, that's the, the website. That is the website. All right. Yes. DynastyGuru.com. Yes. No, go, go ahead. Sorry. That, that was my question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the Dynasty Guru. They they do a lot of uh, have several writers. They're kind of a, a smaller startup, but they had a lot of great minds that they kind of picked to, to be in this draft and just being in the, the Twitter chat as, you know, we all like somebody would go off the board and, you know, we somebody would come in. Well, how do we feel about this guy? And next thing you know, this isn't a, a mock draft anymore. This is a melding of the minds on how we all think. And uh, there were some players where, you know, I was shocked that people that I have followed on Twitter for a long time, they're like, oh yeah, I'm really high on this person. And then I think to myself, I hate that player. What, 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 where is my thinking going wrong? And I kind of have to self-analyze a little bit, but it was a lot of fun because a lot of people that I really admire and I like their writing were in this, you know, Shelly, Jake, Dev, lots of them were in there. And, and how long uh, has this website been uh, around uh, there, Trevor? Or, uh, I, or uh, I'm, I think they've been around for a while. I, I don't know their exact uh, when they started, but um, this was the first time I'd been part of anything that, uh dynasty guru did well i was very proud to be a part of it, even if it was if i was just a, a, as in support of sean as uh it was pretty funny sean was like all right here are the players that are available and here are the players that i want and all right give me a second and i would go on the fan graphs or look at my list and tell them well i like this this and the other I'm like all right and then it would just become like this argument not argument <laughs> sorry discussion as to who we should end up going and uh of course sean has final say because he's the one doing all the work but uh, <laughs> no, well it, it's it's like when uh to kind of dive into it now, um, our first overall pick, we were, we had 110, and we were going back and forth about Jose Ramirez and Trevor Story. And it was it was tough, but the fact that it was a five-by-five five with OBP over batting average gave me I, – I just felt safer with Jose Ramirez's, you know, walk-out-to-strike numbers and – on base skills than I did Trevor story with both of them, their home runs and steals seem to be just about equal, but and I, sorry, I got the, I don't know if you could see it, Sean or not. Um, what I was going to say, I have the, uh, the, the mock draft up and running on the screen there. Yes. I don't know if you guys, yeah, we see it. We got it. And uh, yeah. Uh, anything that's highlighted in orange on the fantasy team right here, that's uh, team Trevor Hoos. And anything that's highlighted, kind of like a light guy blue or aqua blue, whatever you want to call it, that's that's our team. The thir- uh, and I just wanted to point out, I've never done a thirty-team mock draft before. It's kind of overwhelming, but I'm looking at it, and I thought we drafted a lot more players than that. But it's only twenty-five players. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that thirty, there's thirty teams, so they, they got to be dispersed uh, equally among thirty teams. So that was pretty intimidating for me. But uh, uh, it was an interesting. Uh, experience i've never done it before and uh, i don't know if i ever want to ever ever do it again in terms of like like no like i know sean you're a part of like a 30 team league i don't know if i would ever want to do it but this was kind of interesting it's like what we talked about like you if you want to show off your expertise or whatever uh show off your uh baseball knowledge or acumen this proved to be a very useful exercise to really test the limits of your baseball knowledge there um uh this uh this whole uh experience i should say um as it was pretty funny sean i just uh, the other thing i wanted to point out was it was pretty funny that during this draft you you would start talking about the turn like we would pick on the 10th t- uh, overall right yeah 
And about, I don't know, maybe five, 10 picks later, you're already saying, all right, here are the players that I want to uh, target for the next round. And I'm looking at you like, are they even going to be available? Uh, and I guess to, uh, I want, I'm wondering uh, if Trevor, I mean, it seems like you've been doing this for a long time now. Um, how early in a 30 team league do you start like looking for your next pick on, uh, on the next turn uh, there, uh, Trevor? Well, so my, what I did for this draft um, is every few rounds, I would just look through, load up my queue, and then try to forget about it until I was told that I was close to being up. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and what scared me is that my queue never moved, it seemed like. So, like, everybody's like, oh, I got sniped. I did not get sniped, so I'm pretty sure my team is terrible. But um, it was – no, it, it, and, and – you know, the, my I had the fastest pick time just because I didn't want to hold anything up. I knew he was going to so. bring it up. If he didn't, I was good. Good well, on you, Trevor. Well, I mean, my my average pick time was like forty two seconds. seconds. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and it's not because I was sitting there like staring at a screen. It's because like when it was five picks out, I just set up five or six picks and went into auto draft like people I'd be comfortable with. Um, so it has nothing to do with me just staring at a screen. I promise. But but no, I, I would, you know. I really start looking and thinking, okay, these are the guys I'm going to get when I'm five picks out. So that's just periodically checking it. I don't really, I don't want to bet on anybody still being there. Like from the first round, you can see if you're watching the screen right now, I got Mike Trout fourth overall. I did not enter the draft saying I'm going to get Mike Trout fourth overall. So from the jump, I just had no plan. I never have any plan. So I'll, pu I'll put it out there. If anybody ever asked me, what you, so what do you plan on in drafts? I have zero plan because I don't trust people. Um, you know, the human aspect of it is so interesting that they're going to make all these different decisions. So I wait three rounds before I make my plan because I want to see what's there. I don't want to, you know, hold myself into this little corner of, well, this is what I'm going to do. Because if I can get, you know, it, I'm doing a mock draft for pitcher list right now. And it's a perfect example. I got, uh, I'm drafting 10 out of 12, I want to say. And I got uh, Garrett Cole, and then on the back turn, I got uh, – I'm, no, I'm sorry. I got – oh, my – I got three pitchers. We'll put it that way. In the first three rounds, it was Garrett Cole. It was uh, some other really good pitcher who has a name. And then uh, Clayton Kershaw in the third round. I think I got Garrett Cole in the second round. With, uh, DeGrom. Duh. DeGrom in the first wow. round, Cole in the second, and, and Kershaw in the third. And, That's um, fantastic. And so if I were going to go into that saying, well, I'm taking hitting, I don't get this amazing yeah. pitching startup. Like I, I didn't take another pitcher for another like 10 rounds. I don't think except <laughs> hater. Cause I, I just wanted to max out my pitching, but you know, so that's kind of, I, to answer the question, I look so about five picks out when I started looking at players, but overall it just, it, I don't think it pays to come in with that kind of um, pl plan and strategy just to have it turn around on you. No, yeah. I'm the complete opposite. If I'm seeing that Mike Trout's available, like I start not not panic, but it, it, it something in my mind just tells me this does not compute. Why is Mike Trout available on the fourth pick? What's the catch? And I'm like, wait, why why shouldn't I consider Mookie Betts or Christian Yelich in this spot? So that that's like that's pretty interesting. That that that's uh, that's your thought process, and my thought process would be like, what the hell just happened here? Why is Mike Trout dropping to number four? And uh, and then. Unlike you. Yeah. Look, it took you. What is that? Is that accurate? A minute, maybe after Fernando Tatis Jr. was picked in the, as the third pick. Yeah. Overall. <laughs> there he, he is. We like, already oh, begin yeah, to see it. it. I'll go with my it's no, no big deal. Me. I'm like, well, I was going to draft Fernando Tatis. There's, I didn't think he was going to go number three. And I'm, it, it, it would have 
I would have taken my sweet ass time. I would have taken not 45 seconds. I would have taken 45 minutes. I mean, especially if it's a slow draft. Screw you guys. I'm taking my time. Like, <laughs> wait, so if I get Mike Trout, he is old. Maybe that it's a dynasty league. Mike Trout is getting uh, closer to 30 compared to these other guys. Uh, why wouldn't I consider Mookie Betts or Christian Yelich in this situation? And uh, I had Mookie Betts right before or right after Trout. I mean, I didn't. I don't think I had Tatis up there in the top four. Yeah. Because here's the yeah. thing. I look at that saying, I'm going to pick fourth and then I'm not going to pick for a week because there's 30 teams in this draft. <laughs> so I, I just set up four guys and I th- I'm pretty sure it was Trout, Soto, Acuna, and, um, and Betts. And I said, I'll get one of those four and that's going to be fantastic. And I guess Great I was start. just starting with an outfielder. But, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and just for the record, I would have ended up picking Mike Trout anyway after 45 minutes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I got to be, you know, analytical about this, don't I? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, Trevor. I was interrupting you. You were you were finishing up there. Oh no, that was that was it. I was just gonna guess. I guess take an outfielder, and those were gonna be my four guys. And then at some point over the next week, in between my first and second pick, I was gonna just figure out who you got. It. <laughs> I, th- I think my exact message to the group when I came up the second time was, "So you guys took all the good players, huh?" <laughs> It's kind of what happens in rounds one and two. <laughs> well, I'm kind of curious what, what what's your thought process if you're number four like like Trevor is and you're number four and you see Mike Trout available but you also see Mookie Betts, Kristen Yelich, maybe to a lesser extent Bo Bichette and Trey Turner. What's your thought process in that situation after seeing Soto Acuna and Tatis go uh, before uh, three spots before you? Is that to me or is that to Sean? Sean, I was asking Sean because I, I oh oh I, I thought that was just Trevor. My bad. <laughs> I mean, I in, in, in that case, it's like I, I know I was kicking myself that last year around this time I had the number four pick and a lot of drafts and or two years ago and I was like, why am I being shoehorned into picking Nolan Arenado? I don't <laughs> want to pick Nolan Arenado at four five back when you know Nolan Arenado was still in the first round. Pepperidge Farm remembers that, right? Right. And it's like now Mike Trout is consistently going like four or five. And I'm like, why couldn't in, in the now this year and all the mocks I've been in, all the actual drafts I've been in, I've been 10, 11, 12, 13 and 14. Like just right there at the tail end and which isn't a bad spot to be in a 12 team league. I've noticed that uh, Christian Yelich keeps falling down there and you can do like this cool Yelich Freeman turn or Yelich. It, a lot of cool things to do down there in a 12-team league. But now it's like I want to go back to the number four pick because Mike Trout is Mike Trout or Mookie Betts is consistently being there. And the fact that you could get Mike Trout at number four, I would take my money and run. Like that, that's <laughs> I, I'm just taking and running at that point. No hesitation. Yeah. Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just like him. I'm picking seconds. Mike Trout in under a minute. Oh, so about 45 seconds or more than 45 uh, it, 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 it might be uh, 49 seconds, you know. Got to give it an extra four four beats, you know. Well, well Trevor wins the race then. So at yeah. 45, <laughs> he wins the race. Um, I, oh, you, you, oh, my God. Is, is there so much content going on? I completely forgot what I was going to ask right now. Oh, okay. So my, my, conversely, we got the number 10 spot. And something that Trevor just pointed out, like, I don't have a plan until the third round. If I'm picking on the back end of my drafts, the number 10, 11, 12 spots, I just kind of wait for people to make the decision for me. And in this situation, after much discussion, we went with Jose Ramirez. Uh, So I guess in this regard, then, yeah, that's where I, you know, this is the equivalent of the no-brainer pick for me. That's Jose Ramirez or Trevor Story. We went with Jose Ramirez. It seems like that's the steady steady, uh, pick right here. And then uh, we'll – 
we'll think about who we're going to get in the second round later, later on. But uh, yeah, so in that regard, uh, that's kind of my mindset on the back end of the, uh, in, you know, normal 12 team leagues. Like I'll just wait for somebody to make my picks for me. And then I come in. Whereas, and then if I'm picking number four, then I'm kind of like questioning, wait, why is Mike Trout available? Why is he still there? Did he get hurt? Is he injured? <laughs> but so, yeah, I just wanted to point out that we, uh, the uh, matching thought process that Trevor and I have, as opposed to the, uh, the, uh, the complete opposite of our thought process there is uh, Sean, you mind if I move to the second or third round here? Yeah, or... go for it. All right. So we wait, we wait, we wait, we have all these picks and then we get back to our turn. We decided to uh, go with notorious cheater, Trevor Bauer, <laughs> um, who uh, is the king of uh, the king of the uh, 2020 hindsight over there. And, and this is funny for a lot of people that don't know. And I know Trevor is new to both the show and Felipe. Felipe hates Trevor Bauer. And so, Felipe hates Trevor Bauer. I don't hate Trevor Bauer. I just don't think he's, he's a, I'm going to get gross right here, but I don't think it's, he's worth people slobbering, slobbering all over him. Like, you know, when the sky is blue, that's the best time to throw pitches. Like, okay, thanks. Brother. Like he talks the obvious, but people, oh my God, he's so smart. And he's so, oh my God, he's so uh, uh, wise for a baseball player. No, he's not. He's, I, I rest my case. I rest but, my case, but it's, but it's funny not, because hey, I mean, hey, when, we picked them, didn't we? When, yeah, when, been... when pick fifty-one came around and Bauer was still on the board, and you know this is a thirty-team league, fifty other players, the top fifty are gone essentially. I mean, there was I think maybe one or two prospects sprinkled in there, but it's like fifty players are gone, fifty very good players, and yeah. Trevor Bauer just seemed like the no-brainer pick, and I I messaged Felipe knowing that he was not going to want to pick him. And I was ready to sit there and argue and argue and argue. And the message I got back was, I guess we'll have to go with Bauer. And I was just, I, I was I shaken. I was like that. It was that easy. Like what? Well, yeah, <laughs> and so we, 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 we picked him Tyler to Black not now. much fanfare. And I thought it was a good pick. Uh, Trevor, do you have any thoughts on Trevor Bauer? I think he has, uh, 80 grade first name. <laughs> um, no, I, I do like Bauer. Um, I, I don't really have much else. He's just, I don't, you know, I don't know that he's always the Cy Young candidate guy, but I do like Bauer a lot. I think, I think you guys picked him in a good spot. I don't think it was a reach or anything. Yeah. By the way, this does say team Trevor Huth, but I, I would like to point out that I, I unofficially named them team extreme reaches. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I thought Bauer was a good pick there. I had him in my queue, so. Yeah, and it was, was one of those, it's, you know, he almost seems like the pitcher version of Joey Votto, where it's like he'll he's really good, and then he tinkers himself out of being really good, and then he has to tinker himself back in. And I feel like that's what we saw in, like, 2019. And I don't know. It's very interesting to see what he does and how he does it. I, I fixed it. Team Extreme Reaches. There you go. <laughs> For those that are watching on our video format as well, which you will be able to catch at YouTube after the fact, uh, you will see Felipe's glorious spreadsheets and the official team name change to Team Extreme Reaches for Trevor. <laughs> and now the my, team, uh, go ahead. I think the Team Extreme Reaches really applies more to the, uh, the prospects I decided to draft. <laughs> and I did that on purpose, but we'll get into that later. Uh, I was going to say, I think my, I, I broke Excel when I did that. 
<laughs> so that's fantastic. I, I, I'm, I'm flying blind for the rest of the show. But no, I, I've always liked Trevor Bauer, even as, as a prospect, not, not as a human being. But as a prospect, he's, 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 he was always a nice prospect. But it seems like he, for all the talent that he has, he took forever to become the pitcher that he became last year and, and then also in 2018. Uh, but, uh, I mean, compared to Tyler Glass now and Blake Snell, Zach Allen, Max, Max Breed, I mean, he, Bowers seemed to be the more obvious choice in this yeah. round. So when Sean approached me, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, speaking of Zach Allen, uh, Extreme Reaches got him after us uh, a few picks later. Uh, anything to say about Zach Allen there, Trevor? I, you know, very happy to get him. Um, I think that I was just looking through and just saw Zach Allen's there. Well, Zach Allen is going to be good because, you know, it is dynasty and I just took Mike Trout. So I'm going to need somebody else who's going to be good for a few years. And I really like Gallon. I've always liked him, even when he was the, you know, when he was barely a top 20 prospect in the Cardinals organization a few years back before he got traded. So we'll trade it the first time. Yeah. Traded so, the first time. <laughs> um, so I, I was very happy to get Gallon. I, I thought that, uh, I thought it was honestly some pretty good value on him. Yeah. And it's one of those, you know, gallon. And then you kind of look at some of the starters that went right after him, uh, freed and burns and Lazardo. And it's like, they all sim- seem to be like in that same cluster. And, um, it's one of those where I, I don't think you could have gone wrong with either one of them. I, I like, I like Zach gallon a lot. Anytime a pitcher has a full arsenal and a killer changeup, I'm just like, I'm, I'm tripping head over heels to pick them in every draft. So, and then Joey Gallo is your next one, which I, I felt was, you were shocked by the fact that you auto drafted or I'm not sure what it was. It's like, it, it almost seemed accidental when you picked Joey Gallo. Yeah, I was at a pumpkin patch with my uh, <laughs> girlfriend and some friends. And so I was on auto draft. And um, so I, I, I put in the group, I said, hey, just let me know who I get. And I put Yeah, yeah when we let you know. <laughs> well, and he was either the top guy or the second guy. I didn't think I'd get him. I thought I was more going to get, uh, um, oh, who would have gotten taken right? I mean, I, I think I had maybe Carlson right behind him. Um, wow. You know, maybe Woodruff. I don't just, just, but Gal is one of my guys that I always try to draft. Um, and, and it's, it goes off of the philosophy that won us the one, my buddy and I, the uh, P365 Experts League of, of, uh, you know, walks and home runs offensively. That's all he does. That's all he wants to draft. So Gal is Sandy Alderson. Is that you? Sandy yeah, Alderson. So, is that you? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, well, the Gal would be great here because uh, I don't, and it's an OVP the entire league. theme of yeah, this is I'm that. not going to buy too much into the 2020 stats. Yep. I'm just not like, you know, if they were really poor, if they were really good, I'm not going to buy too much into it. I, you know, if they were in the middle. I'll probably be a little more happy, but with Gallo, I just thought it was a great pick to get in the third round. I mean, that's, that's all it comes down to. I was yeah. surprised. And, and, and especially in an OBP league home runs, he'll chip in some stolen bases as well. So I, yeah. I thought it was good. I just remember like, when you text in the in the chat, you're like, "So Joey Galloway?" Eh? <laughs> I was just like, yeah. "I think he just found out." <laughs> yeah, I was at a pumpkin patch. We got a pumpkin. 
<laughs> also got spaghetti squash that we made today. Oh. It was pretty good. Oh, that, that's such an, I was not expecting a story about a pumpkin patch and spaghetti squash <laughs> when I asked about Joey Gallo, but that was absolutely perfect. How he just, Oh, and there I was in a pumpkin patch. <laughs> it is Halloween by the way. Yeah. So it, or Halloween weekend. So it is appropriate uh, enough there. The great pumpkin. Uh, speaking of pumpkin, Carlos Correa, it looks like it's a reverse pumpkin there, Sean, huh? It looks like he's the clock struck 12 and he became the Carlos Correa we all fell in love with uh, before what the injuries started popping up. And and the running gag between Sean and I is like, we're just going to get every cheater known to man. So Carlos Correa- <laughs> yeah, the, the entire draft, we f- tried to figure out how each player would cheat, has cheated or will cheat. And uh, of course, Carlos Correa f- figures into the uh, has cheated. Uh, even though that's more of our uh, podcast partners over at Dong City, that's the, the hot take, and that's more of their environment. But uh, Carlos Correa here, he's still really young at a what is now deep position, but I still think the offensive upside for him, and I think the same way about Corey Seager, is like people, they've had down years since him and Seager, and it's like people are just forgetting how good offensively they are and can be. So I thought this was a, a great pick for Carlos Correa, even yeah, though I, in a redraft league, it's like, you know, he's starting to drop into like the one twenties, one thirties. And I've seen like one fifty one time. I think that was last season. And, but in a dynasty league, obviously we need to pick him a little bit sooner because of his age. And he's still right in the smack dab middle of his prime. I just wanted to point out that everybody's hero, Chara Bauer, has also, there's been rumors uh, as recent as yesterday on the Ben Lindbergh show uh, about him also cheating and doctoring balls. So, yeah, no one, it, there's no, no heroes in baseball, just a bunch of guys trying to stay in the show. Uh, speaking hey, of the show, the Detroit uh, Tigers probably haven't cheated. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're that. just bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> if they are, I, that makes me even more sad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go with the fourth and fifth pick. Uh, Sean, I don't know if we're going to do all 30, uh, all 25 rounds here. It's up to you. You tell me. We'll but, just do uh, rapid fire. Rapid fire. So Jeff McNeil, that, that was also a big discussion between you and I. But ultimately, I, I do like this scrappy little flying squirrel. So that I, uh, I went ahead and greenlit that one. And, and, and he was, the, I think, the thing that made me be able to rationalize it as a Mets fan. And, of course, Felipe had to listen to me. I, I probably recommended every Mets left-handed hitter known to man. Um, speaking of the top Mets left-handed hitter that went in this draft wasn't Michael Conforto and it wasn't Jeff McNeil. It was Dominic Smith went like at, I think the end of the second round and right at the turn. And it was one of those, uh, they talked about it on, um, uh, dynasty's child, uh, the dynasty guru podcast that, uh, who was all on it, Keats, Shelly and Jordan, and they talked about Dominic Smith, how early he went. And it's one of those, if you really want Dominic Smith, you're going to have to pick him there at that turn because he's probably not going to be there in another 60 picks. So I thought that was a very interesting high pick of Dominic Smith. But Jeff McNeil has posted OBPs his first three years in the league, all within five points of each other at 384, 383, and 381. Uh, has burgeoning power is going to hit towards the top of the lineup. I, I thought it was a no-brainer pick. And then uh, Trevor went Ian Anderson and Marcus Simeon. Uh, I feel like Sean is really low on Marcus Simeon, and we've talked about Ian Anderson so much 
so much that I don't know. I, I don't know, Trevor. Give me, give me one little nugget about Ian Anderson that that people might not know about him. People might not know that I said I would not pay the price for Ian Anderson in, in drafts for next year, and so I, put, I took Psych. him. <laughs> well, you know what? it was because it was because when I was watching him coming up, I'm, I'm just why I was like, what's happening? I, I think it might have been bad camera angle. It might be I, I watched the wrong starts, but I didn't see um, the third pitch and. and I to for the life of me, I can't remember if that was a changeup or curveball without looking at my notes. But uh, I, I didn't see the third pitch, and then I saw him in the playoffs. I saw the third pitch, and I was like, "Oh, so this is kind of just an overcorrection, I think, for me on where I was on Ian Anderson, and then picking him. Um, it's definitely this was the I think this was the first of the extreme reaches. I thought Simeon was fine. Um, yeah, I, he was just kind of there. It's. Anderson, I'm low on. I actually like Simeon. I think he's going to be yeah. a steal. I think he's going to go somewhere uh, a much more friendlier hitter ballpark, and I think he could do some damage. But yeah, Anderson, I've always been low on, but I I think I'm higher on him than I am some of the other Atlanta arms, mm-hmm. just because he has that changeup and command. Atlanta yeah, so arms. it's just what I saw from him in the playoffs, and I go, well, you know, we'll go recency bias. We'll just take this. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> And uh, I'm not going to pay for him anymore. This draft is fake. So <laughs> this draft is fake. Fake drafts. <laughs> fake drafts. It's the fakest draft. Uh, and Marcus Simeon. I forgot. Why? Why do you hate him so much, Sean? I, I don't hate Marcus Simeon. I like Marcus uh, Simeon. You know, I know how it feels. There's a Rosarena. Yeah, yeah. There goes the Rosarena, and the he was what one one twenty nine, and then I I think since he got picked there. I have seen him go as high as like 79 in some dynasties and some mocks. And it's like, can I address that real quick? Yes. Go for it, please. I'd love to hear. He was a Cardinals minor leaguer. I saw uh, bunches and bunches and bunches of him. I always thought he was so fun to watch. I thought he was great. I mean, if you type his name, Randy Rosarena minors or minor league or whatever into Twitter, you see an infield triple. Like he is a fun baseball player. He is not the playoff baseball player that we saw. He's a, he'll be good, but you're just I I recommend to anybody listening do not pay the price for Randy Rosarena. I agree. All, that's all I got. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I think he's a very good hitter. I don't think he's some 30, 40 home run guy. Like he hit ten home runs in a postseason. Okay, Daniel Murphy hit eight, and we've seen other guys. I mean, it's people get hot and they go and do crazy things. That's not when his, when his price comes down in 2022. Then I'd say, draft yeah, him, then we'll jump go, back in. Yeah, <laughs> Man, I don't even remember Arrows Arena like when I was doing my 2020 uh, pre draft preparation. I don't remember him being mentioned or me even being interested. And all of a sudden, he's just become everybody's favorite player. Um, and I, there was also, a, you know, who he reminds me of the, like the, the hype that's surrounding uh, Arrows Arena right now, Sean or and, and Trevor. Uh, the kid, the guy from Cincinnati, uh, Aquino, uh, Aristotle. Uh, I, I, I think I buy into a Rosarena a little bit more than Aquino, but yeah, I get the same, like the complete Bye. elevation and hype. Um, except he, a Rosarena hasn't had a, a, a down month that kind of soured everything. Granted, like in the playoffs, it was, uh, it wasn't until the world series that he actually had a hit with a runner in scoring position. Uh, he went 0 for his first seven with runners in scoring position, but had nine home runs. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, chicks stick the long ball, man. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Walks uh, so and home getting, runs, right? <laughs> so getting back to Marcus Simeon. Okay, so Trevor, give me one thing you like about Marcus Simeon, and I want to hear one thing 
from Sean that he doesn't like about Marcus Simeon. So go ahead, Trevor. I mean, really, Simeon's not even one of my guys. I just thought he was, you know, a, a reliable option at shortstop here, and I was trying to build a contender because that's how the first few rounds fell for me. So, I mean, that was kind of a uh, why I took Simeon there. And Sean? And why I don't like him. Yeah. Um, because he plays for the A's. And that's Love a bad it. ballpark for him. Love it. Zach Wheeler, we all know who Zach Wheeler is, uh, former Mets. So, of course, Sean had to target yep. him because he's just targeting all the Mets players and all the ex-Mets players. Yes, so. uh, that, that's that's where you get your values when they're no longer Mets. But, <laughs> but you know, I, lots I, of innings, I, quality starts. I, I thought it was a no-brainer to pair up with Bauer. Just uh, We got a lot of innings eaters in those first couple of starters that we picked, and I thought that kind of fit the theme. I like our one-two punch here yeah. uh, with Bauer and Wheeler. And plus, Wheeler always has a nice uh, special spot for me because he was one of the first players that I can remember vividly uh, back in my in my little office in, 2013, in the winter of 2013, just looking at scouting reports and like, hey, this guy could be something, but he has no secondary pitches. So that was back way back. But now then. he does. It's okay. And now he does, yeah. Uh, Mark Kahana or Kanya? Kana? Kana? Kana. Kana. Uh, yeah, Sean was all over this one. He wanted him some Mark Canna, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm, I'm not OBP League. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I just, it's meh. I'm not excited for this one, but it is an OBP League. It, it, so. it was a reach, but I felt like in an OBP League, it was more um, explainable. Yeah. And then uh, Trevor comes back to back with Mike Mustakis and Evan White, who I feel like you just mentioned uh, earlier on this podcast. What'd you say Evan White was going to be the next what now? I said Evan White was going to be the next Paul Goldschmidt, but he said he picked Evan White in the fourth round of a couple of dynasty yeah. drafts. So, yeah. well, going that, that, the that price went down. Year, the price went down <laughs> last year after he signed that massive contract. And as soon as I took Evan White, I was kind of happy with it because I'm thinking I have a decent first baseman option. And then a few picks later, somebody took Tristan Casas, and I'm like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Oh, I'm sad, but no, I like to, we'll, we'll skip. Moose is another one of my guys. I was glad I got him. And then Evan White, I'm happy with, but I got immediate regret when somebody took uh, Tristan Casas. And I see George Valera also and Nate Lau, Nate, sorry, Nate Lowe getting picked. And uh, my question to you guys is, you know, me, and this is one of the discussions Sean and I had uh, behind the scenes when making these selections where Sean was like, okay, we need to go after these prospects. Like why can we, can we build our roster first? And, and but it's a dynasty league like, and I want to win next year you know even though it's yeah. a fake league right? yeah it's like, it's like I want to win <laughs> it's a fake of a fake league right it's a mock it's a mockery if, if anything but I, me I'm just wired like no I'm, I'm I'm drafting for 2020 and I only want to pick prospects uh um what do you call it uh, if I know they're going to be called up for sure early on or in mid 2020 so I guess uh Trevor we'll start with you uh what was your strategy in terms of getting prospects in this uh mock draft Usually I have a problem and I'll pick prospects always. Um, I decided <laughs> to go against that. And yeah. it was because I wanted to see what I could do. I mean, I knew I had guys, low-key guys, who I think are going to explode. And I got all of them, um, which just made me happy. Um, but, uh, I, you know, like I said, usually I'd be one to go for all the prospects and see if I can build a fantastic farm system because that's how you win. And um but then, you know, then I got the fourth pick and I'm like, well, I kind of want to compete now. So at that point, I said, I'm going to hold off on prospects as long as possible. Um, so usually I would take prospects. This one, I thought, well, I'll see if I can find the um, diamonds in the rough or the guys I think are going to be the diamonds in the rough. 
And then, of course, uh, Sean and I went back at number 10. Uh, sorry, in the 10th round with Kevin Gausman. Uh, I'm sorry, in the 7th round, sorry. Yeah, 10th pick of the 7th round. There we go. Thank you. Uh, with Kevin Gausman, who was I was high on uh, coming into 2020, and I pushed hard for him in this mock draft because I, I thought that, you know, as long as he's in with San Francisco, he's going to uh, flourish over there. Well, now and- he's a free agent. And, but once again, we had like this theme of our starting pitching in our outfield where all these like 29, 30 year olds that aren't really, I, I feel like they're the values in a dynasty draft because they're not super young, but they're not super old. And so people don't really know where to properly pick them. And it's about picking your moments with them. Same thing with Mark Canna and like Zach Wheeler to an extent. All right, let's move on. And speaking of prospects, there's our first one of note uh, as I was not for this one, but again, um, it's my team, but it's, uh, it's not my team. It's this is Sean's vehicle that he's driving. And I'm like, no, not a catching prospect. But young <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Give me uh, one good point as to why Dalton Varshall, the catcher from the Diamondbacks, was, was the way to go in the eighth round here. Because even if he doesn't end up as a catcher, we get an outfielder that's going to steal 20 bases. And All he right. actually he posted better OBP numbers in the minors than I realized, so that kind of made it a little bit more plausible for myself. Uh, Trevor goes back to back with a couple of veterans here. Uh, stable, I guess, stable, maybe Paul DeYoung and Hunter Dozier. I'm a big fan of Hunter Dozier. I don't know if I'm a big fan of his in a dynasty league, especially a 13 dynasty league. Um, but uh, obviously, Trevor, what made you go with the back to back veterans here? Uh, compete now, DeYoung. Uh, so, so with DeYoung, it was I wanted to get depth, and I know that I haven't filled out a roster yet, but I like DeYoung a lot. And, um, three person benches. I just want a guy that, you know, if somebody goes down, I can plug him in. So that's why uh, dual positionality on Moose is, is helpful. Getting a guy like DeYoung who can sit in my util spot and then fill in if Simeon gets hurt or doesn't play well or whatever. And then uh, Dozier, I think also plays a couple of positions. And so yeah. uh, both of them, I feel like are going to hit and it, and the fact that I can move a couple of them around and add some depth was really, really helpful. I think. I am a big fan of uh, versatility, even in fantasy. I do like playing musical chairs with my lineup as uh, I am a big fan of that. So I can agree with you in that regard. Uh, really quick, uh, Edwin Diaz goes in the next pick. As He was uh, only the mean- second RP off the board, which was like shocking to me. Yeah, like, yeah RPs didn't go. They, I, I and, the, and, I, and this was what happened was, you know, this was going into our long turn. And I told Felipe, it's like, I want to pick one because I feel like, I think the only pitcher hater had gone like a round before this and nobody had picked an RP after hater. And I did, I was afraid that in that long turn, we were going to sit there and somebody was going to pick an RP and then the next person was going to pick and they were just all going to go within like 50 picks of each other. So I said, let's just go ahead and pick one. And we had it down to Diaz and Karen Shack and a couple others. Uh, but Diaz just felt like the best combination of, young upside and still somewhat proven track record so that was that was our pick and if i remember that discussion it was between diaz uh james karinchak and oh uh liam hendricks yeah liam hendricks yeah yeah so that was an interesting back and forth and ultimately uh he uh sean wanted to go uh with the Mets player Ah! let's let's quickly move to the next rounds uh in our little draft here uh 
was his round number 10 still on the back end, David Peterson, because uh, Sean wanted to pick another Mets player. No, but he showed me the rest of the of, of the pitches that were available. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess Peterson's the way to go. He seems to be the more stable guy. And, here and another just random innings eater that, you know, isn't yeah, probably play. as glorious. And I, I feel like innings is like the most least appreciated part of fantasy. It's like, Yes, it's not often a scoring category in itself, but it's a vessel that you will get a lot of wins, a lot of quality starts, and a lot of strikeouts the more innings you have. So, yeah, and I, I'm looking at the rest of the list, and I and he was right. I mean, I'm not very excited about these other uh, pitchers that were taken: AJ Puke and Clark Smith, Mitch Keller, blah blah blah. So yeah, it, it was a very stable, steady pick there. Uh, Austin Nola, who I'm a big fan of, uh, went. I, I would have preferred Austin Nola over Dalton Barshow, but that's just me. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, hey, man. <laughs> what, Trevor, like, what are your thoughts? Uh, Dalton Varsho versus Austin Nola? Uh, well, I, I don't like to speak on Varsho because I didn't even know he had outfield versatility until this year. Um, sometimes guys just look through the cracks like that, but I thought Nola was, was solid in both of these two picks, um, Austin Nola and Shane Baz came um, because of the group chat specifically. Yeah, Like we had had this conversation about how, uh, you know, catchers are more valued in two catcher leagues. And then uh, was, uh, I believe Jesse Roche said something like, uh, well, 30 teams is the equivalent of two catchers. I'm like, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I took Austin Nola. And then uh, right after that, we started a conversation about there's one top 100 pit mystery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I completely changed everything I was doing because – one, it was a mystery prospect, and I wanted to be right. And two, um, I realized who it was. I was not even—he he was not even on my radar. I assumed he was gone. But I am a big fan of the electricity in Baz's arm. Yeah. Um, I know there's reliever risk. I don't think he will end up a reliever. I think that his pitches are there. Um, but even if he does, he's—he'll be a pretty darn good one, I think. So I was super excited to get Baz, even though I wasn't looking at him. Yeah. When the bystander i can't remember who it was on twitter said that they were going through all of our results and here we were 300 plus picks in and there were still a top 51 out or a top 50 top 100 guy out there and my mind immediately went and it ended up being uh the he went soon after boz I, I believe and it was ronnie mauricio and being a mets fan i'm actually not big on mauricio as a prospect which is like blasphemy to say in mets world but I'm just, I'm not as high on him. And then I was like, well, maybe it's Xavier Edwards, but who gets excited and makes a tweet about Xavier Edwards being a mystery prospect? I mean, according I to, was, according uh... to Blake Snell, he's just some slap dick prospect, yeah. but then it was uh, like, you pick Shane Baz. And I was like, well, maybe it was Baz and working in the Montgomery for, which is the double A affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays. We had a lot of Tampa scouts come through. And I remember the one that I talked to the most, he was real friendly older guy and he was just raving about Shane Bass and he said oh my god it's just like everything coming out of his hand is just 100% effort touches high velos without much effort actually like it, it's I likened it I said like kind of like Zach Wheeler when he throws and he said it was kind of a lot like Wheeler you know he's throwing hard but it doesn't look like he's throwing hard and um, I, I'm really excited for Bass and I thought that was a great pick yeah, it changed everything. I actually thought it might have been Sanchez from Miami because I saw him out there too, um, outfielder in Miami. But yeah, no, Baz, I was very happy to get him. All right, we're quickly 
if not already there in the one hour mark. So let's just go through these really quick. Alex Dickerson. Uh, Continuing the 30 year old late breakouts like Mark Hanna. I thought he was Mark and over his last 162 since being traded to San Francisco, I, I pulled up the numbers. He was a 140 WRC plus guy since being traded to San Francisco. And I'm like, why is nobody? And it was a, a pretty big sample size. It was like 380 plate appearances. Yeah. And I'm like, this is something I'm buying into. And if not for this mock, I probably wouldn't have ever even thought about Alex Dickerson and other drafts. All right. Let's move on to Yandy Diaz. That is a Sean. That I, I, I will pick Yandy Diaz in every single draft. That's a problem. <laughs> Everybody likes him but me. But, uh, I mean, I see upside. I just, I don't know. That's just, I, I'm weird like that. Uh, Yandy oh, Diaz look. will find you and kidnap you and crush you with his biceps. I hope he does. I mean, it'd be something that he's been doing, right? <laughs> ben Star Turnbull, uh, kind of a homer pick here for Trevor, uh, going uh, number 357th overall. And Trevor follows that up with Dallas Keuchel. I'm assuming that Trevor wanted to fill out his rotation. Is that correct? Need, needed pitchers, yep. Yeah. It, it Once the pitchers go, it's like you feel like you need to get them and fill it out. Hey, and Spencer Turnbull is a homer pick for me. I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> Turnbull is a UA product. I really like his breaking ball. I thought it was a good pick. I, I still think that there's another level for Turnbull. I mean, if you, you watch Turn, if you watch Turnbull when he's on, oh, he's, that's the best. This is the best yeah. value pick of the draft. But yeah. unfortunately, he's extremely uh, inconsistent. That's why this is probably a reach. <laughs> yeah. Miguel Andujar, uh, a man with no position, but he still has some upside. This one was, uh, we were kind of uh, murky about it, but, you know, I still like Andujar. I still believe in him. I am a Miguel Andujar truther, so to speak. Uh, Sean uh, reluctantly picked him. but I, I, I did not want him. It's in, I think it's partially, if it was a batting average league, I would have loved the pick. In an OBP league, I'm really low on him, especially if he gets traded. It's like, I, I, I don't know. Trevor, how did we do with the Andujar pick? Like, was this the right spot to get him? Is it a complete wasted pick? I don't know. No idea. I had him in my queue, and I almost took him. And then I thought, let's see how far he falls. Because that's the <laughs> beautiful thing about these mocks. <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about these mocks is that, is that if you don't know, you can just wait and see because you can take somebody else. So I yeah. kind of was watching just to see where he went. It's like you see a car, like, on a racetrack, and they're about to crash, and they're swerving left, swerving right, swerving. And it's like... How many times is he going to swerve before he crashes out? <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at on him. I had no idea. I, I thought of him. I I had him in my queue just to see if he disappeared, and then he went away. And it was at <laughs> and he was suddenly no longer your problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always good when someone else makes a decision for you, as uh, as I attested to earlier uh, in my assessment with the having the be back a fun turn. What's that? It's gonna be a fun turn. Yeah, <laughs> just looking at who's here. TJ Antoni, Antoine, well, Antone, 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 I Antone. yeah. Uh, from the Reds, pitcher, uh, baseball like savant, uh, savant darling. Uh, what's what's the phrase that everybody hates? Uh, savant sweetheart, something like that. <laughs> uh, I, Kyle Bodie sprinkled some magic uh, driveline dust on TJ Antone and turned him into a, an overnight stud. And I really do like him. And with the Reds possibly losing Bauer and Wade Miley being like just a warm body who I don't even think can pitch anymore. I think TJ Antone has so much upside on that team. 
All right. And then here's uh, uh, Trevor going homer on us again. Isaac, I'm sorry, Isaac Peretti. There, there we go. <laughs> that we found out today. And Nick York, uh, who I will admit and say, I don't know anything about Nick York whatsoever. Trevor, what do you, what can you share about Nick York here? Short yeah. So we'll start, um, Curtis, real quick. Um, go ahead. Probably reach, but if you watch his at bats, he's a very, it's very professional at bats. Like he's got such great contact rates and such good feel for the strike zone that I, I there's no way he's not going to hit. I, I'm confident in that. Nick York, um, I took him as one of the prospects to make a statement that people should be watching Nick York. I don't know how big this platform is to make that statement, but I did it anyway because um, I was watching um, – the Red Sox were great about, about broadcasting their alternate site, and um, Nick York was their first rounder this year. Nobody would heard of him. But the Red Sox, yeah, a lot of Red Sox fans pick. were mad. I, I was about to say this was yeah. the Red Sox first round pick guy, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they, they didn't have a second round pick. So they just went and got their guy because he wouldn't have been around in the third round when they got Blaze Jordan. So yeah. like Nick York, people are going, well, why would you take this guy? And so um, I had just written about uh, Brian Mata for Prospects Live and Ralph Lifshitz messaged me. He goes, hey, Mata's going to pitch at the alternate site today if you want to watch. I go, great. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, the announcers are going, and here's Nick York for his first at bat in the, at the alternate site. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. The dude rips a double. He just showed up and said, all right, let's just start raking, you know? <laughs> and he looks so good. He, he, at the alternate site, he was only there for a few days, but he was just hitting the cover off the ball. And I am now fully bought into Nick York as a baseball player and as a hitter. And I think it was a great pick by the Red Sox in the first round, actually. Um, and, and I see why they like him a lot. So this was my statement of start paying attention to Nick York. Okay, and two questions here. One, was it you in the chat that made the Pedroia comp, or was that somebody else? So I would have brought it up. I was researching Nick York right after they took him, and um, I have not been able to find this since. It was on Yahoo somewhere, but um, the PD guy, one of the PD guys with the uh, Red Sox said they saw Dustin Pedroia in him, which I thought okay. was wild. And I, I, I've heard there, there was a, a good makeup to there, a lot like Pedroia about, you know, the mental aspect side of it. And secondly, I'd also like to point out, this was probably the largest time gap between his picks in the entire draft. (laughs) (laughs) An hour and 15 minutes. Come on, you're slacking slacking here. Come on. This is what kept me over 40 seconds. (laughs) Moving along, Garrett Cooper. Uh, Sean wanted him, so he got him. Well, at uh, first base was gone. That's that, yeah. and I thought that he was had the highest upside left. I mean, first base was just a barren yeah. wasteland. I remember that we 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 uh, made a point to just wait and wait and wait and wait at first base, figuring that hey, whoever we draft is gonna we'll get Brandon we Belt. Now. Brandon Belt was the guy that we kept talking yeah. about. Did we get Brandon Belt? Or, no, we uh, didn't. He went uh, before. We too long on Brandon yeah. Belt. But yeah, I remember that. Hey. If anything, uh, one of these guys that we just drafted will become a first baseman, so whatever. And then that, did, you know, we didn't get Brandon Bell, so we ended up with Garrett Cooper. So, uh, Franchi Cordero, uh, I, I remember Franchi when he was with the Padres and highly regarded. Now he's at the Royals with Cheeses. Uh, <laughs> and uh, eh, it's whatever, it's Cordero. It's you like him it, it's like reason. the power speed upside, and we needed another outfielder. And I thought he kind of, if our team lacks anything, it's power. Yeah. And I think Franchi has that in in spades. Uh, and then uh, Trevor goes back to back relief pitchers, or I don't know about an only 
Paredes, but uh, or is it just because he's uh, his last name is also Paredes that you wanted to get Anoli as well? <laughs> uh, I got him because of somebody who I trust a lot says uh, Anoli is a beast, and I go oh, okay. okay, and I okay. took him. That's it. That's my only explanation. <laughs> All right, moving on to uh, pitcher Emmanuel Class 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 A Class A, class a I believe. A. Was he he was part of the Corey Kluber trade? Yeah, he was he was like the the big piece that they got back in the Kluber trade. And of course, he popped for the the PEDs, which I don't know what he could have been taking because he was a stick to begin with. But he's (laughs) the the hundred mile an hour cutter. I mean, that's it's like insane. And now with uh, Brad Hand being, you know, they turned down his option and they waived him. It's like. I think Klasse and Karen Jack are going to be the two big guys who just see their shares skyrocket. Uh, the the freaking Cleveland Indians, man. I don't know how they do it, but it's, it's a pitching factory over there out of necessity, obviously, but yeah. still. Uh, moving on. Uh, Omar Narvaez. Oh my God. I'm, I, I, this is ultimate Felipe shaking his head, but this is not the way I normally <laughs> do catchers, but I mean, it's a, a decent pick, especially since we got Dalton Varsho. Uh, to get the last bastion of uh, catcher productivity in this 30 team league. So Omar went out. And uh, in, 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 the main reason I still pick Norvias here is one is, you know, he has a full time starting gig. Yeah. And two, like Trevor was saying earlier, I'm not putting too much stock into the 2020 stats when they're in the extreme bad or the extreme good. Narvaez was in the extreme bad, but you look at the three seasons before that, he was a pretty consistent hitter, Uh, probably one of the most consistent hitters at catcher. And I'm not going to forgo that. And to get it overall 531, I thought it was a, a really good pick. But you hate lefties and you hate catchers, so yeah, obviously yeah. this is your least favorite pick of the draft, probably. <laughs> Narvaez uh, would have been somewhere buried in like the top fifteen on my catcher list, but that's um, that's just me. There's like a you know me. I, I think Salvador Perez would have uh, the world out of Salvador Perez, and uh, yeah. and yeah, I, I hate him. That's why the show works. Yeah, and I wasn't looking for Salvador Perez. I just you know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that because we're, we're running out of time. I just wanted to point out that Jacoby Jones, another uh, Tigers homer pick by Trevor. Is, <laughs> so was Iglesias. And so was Iglesias. Yes. So Iglesias, the scrappy shortstop from the Orioles now, at least that's what's listed Well, here. I was going to say, Iglesias was hitting like 400 and like had a slugging percentage <laughs> yeah. over 600, but he only he didn't have a home run. I think he only had like one home run or a couple home runs, and he had yeah. like a slug over 600. It was when the Mets played the Orioles, that's what Gary Cohen was like so surprised. He's like, he doesn't have any home runs and he has a slugging percentage this high. He was just hitting double after double. He, I never thought I would hear this phrase. Jose Iglesias was their DH. Like, what? Yeah, but you're talking about this late now. This is my third um, option at shortstop, just filling out bench of a guy who's going to get consistent at bats because yeah. he's going to hit the ball and he plays in Baltimore. So, um, that was my thought process with the Glaciers, just the consistent ABs. And with Jones, I thought he fell too far, probably because he was hurt to end the year. But um, when he's on, he's really, really yeah, good. And uh, so he's now just chilling on my bench, too. So it, it's really a couple of depth picks here that I like. Jacoby Jones is such a frustrating player. It's like because we've seen stretches of him be really, really good. And I'm like, wow, did he figure it out? And then he goes right back to like just nothing and oh it's it's frustrating i I like jacoby jones too and i I, like you said i he did probably fall too far but 
Uh, once again, he's too frustrating for me to actually own. I think. And Jacoby Jones more 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 athletic than skill as uh, we we have that bipolar. Yes. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, way of looking at baseball players: either they have skill or they're athletic or they're somewhere in between. Uh, so I guess you know that's the goal is to be somewhere between. Jacoby Jones, after all these years, is still on the more on the athletic side than the skill side. And Jose Iglesias, all I want to say about Jose Iglesias is that 2020 was a perfect year for him. Shortened season, uh, yeah. high probability, high variance. So, yeah, not surprised that he had a bang-up year this year. Drew Rasmussen, Brewers pitcher, goes to us. What? Tell me one thing about Drew Rasmussen, Sean. He came up and he had – if you look at his just regular stat line, you're like, wow, he had a five-ERA. That's, that's not very good. But towards the end of that Brewers run – Rasmussen was or Rasmussen, whatever, was a very much viewed as an integral part of what they needed to do, especially with Devin Williams, you know, who missed the postseason. And he's got several good pitches. He throws hard. And Milwaukee might have something. They might be doing something over there with their pitching because we've seen kind of over the last two seasons how they're developing some pitchers, you know, Burns, Woodruff, um, to a degree, Adrian Hauser. It's yeah. I, I like what they're doing, and I feel like Rasmussen could be if they trade Hater, and he could be a guy who steals some saves, some holds, or maybe he ends up in the rotation because he had been starting in the minor leagues as well. I thought it was a upside pick at a position of need, which was pitcher, because in my opinion, there weren't too many. I mean, Matthew Allen was still there, which I probably should have picked Matthew Allen, um, you know, for a Mets homer draft pick, but. Um, I liked uh, I liked Rasmussen. And, uh, I think I think he was perpetually yeah. underrated in the Brewers organizations. Just throwing yeah. that out there, I, I think he's a starter. I think one of those things with the Brewers is finding prospects, is, and it's like Bryce Terang was one of the last pro, uh, players I think that went in this draft. I think, or may, maybe I'm thinking somewhere I love else. Bryce Terang, and it's like he was the Brewers' top. He's like their top prospect, and I, I think their system is just so not good. I don't want to say they're bad but they're just so not good that there are some values in their players. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> they're bad. But we're sitting here talking about how much we like Rasmussen in terrain, so they can't be that bad, right? There's two players. <laughs> Put it this way. There's a certain type of uh, player th that the Brewers are good at developing, and we'll leave it yeah. at that. <laughs> uh, and, and speaking of relief pitchers, Will Smith getting jiggy with it with our team. Uh Sean believes that he's due for a bounce back and he might get the closers role next year. Yeah. I, I love our relief pitching Diaz Classe, and Will Smith and Will Smith at five ninety one. I thought was fantastic value. And then uh, Trevor goes back to back prospects. I, I, I see here Juan that that's a then or then then I believe then. Yeah. And then Brian Packard. Uh, I don't know if he's related to the office character, but those are his <laughs> picks. Uh, give me one good thing about those two guys you just picked there, right, uh, Trevor? Yeah, Juan Thin's going to explode the next time baseball starts again. He's up to upper 90s with his fastball. Got a really, really nice curveball. Um, he's set to explode. Like, he is yep. going to jump up. Um, I've been told that, uh, you know, some people might compare his skill set to Edwin Diaz. So, um, makes sense. Reliever risk there, I think. But again, another high leverage reliever, if that's the risk that's going to happen, yeah. he's going to explode. Packard is my favorite prospect in baseball right now, not because he's going to, you know, he, I don't know. He, he's got, doesn't have the name recognition as much, but I've always just fell in love with his swing, his offensive upside. Um, 
you're going to ask me about Tiger prospects later. He's going to be the hitter that I give you bar none because he's fantastic. Um, I don't read into the 20% strikeouts from his draft year. And, uh, you know, I, I think he reads spin really well, smooth stroke with some power. And uh, they're starting to work him out at first base now, which I think is, is correct to do. I, I agree with that decision. And in the 21st round, Sean goes ahead and picks Gilberto Jimenez from the Red Sox. Uh, give me one good thing about Gilberto Jimenez there, Sean. Uh, well, he's only played in as high as low A ball, uh, but he played 67 games, rookie league for the Red Sox in 18, 384 on base with 16 stolen bases. And in 2019 in low A, 393 on base with 14 stolen bases. Granted, his OBP and average are, or his OPP is really buoyed by his batting average. Um, but he's an 80 grade speed guy. And it's one of those, like, anytime I see someone with, 80 grade speed and are consistently hitting like he has really no power what to speak of but you know stolen bases are always at a premium especially in a 30 team league and Jimenez is one of those guys that if the hit tool can at least stay average with the league then his speed is game changing so his hit, I think his hit tool should but also keep in mind what they just did with uh, Duran to unlock a little bit more power too. So that also gives him some more upside. Yeah. Uh, the, the 22nd round pick, uh, Gerard Encarnacion. Uh, the last time the Marlins had an Encarnacion, it was Juan Encarnacion, I believe. And uh, now we have him on our team. Uh, what can you tell us one thing about that's valuable about Encarnacion here, Sean? And this is a player who I had been looking into a little bit, but on Twitter, listening to guys – like not saying Trevor exactly, but a lot of people kind of in the prospect industry and a lot of people that saw him in the Arizona fall league in 19 were really saying that there's something to Encarnacion. And you look at his uh, minor league numbers in 2019 in a ball, he slugged 478 and then in high a ball um, he only slugged 372, but I've heard really good things about his power. And from what I've watched, it kind of looks reminiscent of like a, a poor man's. And I know this is kind of a cop out of, you know, right outfielder, tall, big, strong uh, Giancarlo Santon. And it's kind of like just the way he pulls it. The hit tool could absolutely fall apart. He's posted high strikeout numbers and okay. Walk numbers, but what he did in the fall league in 19, I'm really buying into because that's against some of the best talent in the country. And if he hit a big grand slam in that game or in that series as well. So I think he's, and like I said, our team needed power. We, that's where one spot where I think we failed in this draft. I failed mainly, but uh, Encarnacion gives us that power, that upside that we need. And then uh, another homer pick from Trevor, Daniel Norris, uh, followed with uh, was former first-round pick Mickey Moniak. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, and now major leaguer Mickey Moniak. He debuted oh, this that. year. All right, so yeah. go ahead, Trevor. Yeah. Um, well, one thing, you keep saying homer pick, but I, I don't want to discount the value of um, people who are going to be getting everyday time that you can get late in drafts just because they're on bad teams. Yep. Like I, I feel – my roster with Tigers and with, with uh, Orioles last year, just for the same reason of they're going to get consistent time. It adds depth, especially in a deep, deep league like this. So uh, Norris, I've always loved Daniel Norris. Um, he was a big uh, velo guy until he had a groin injury. 
and his velo should be on the track back. If you follow an arc, and I went through and looked at this, I based it off of the Justin Verlander injury and just on pure velocity. His his velo should be back. Uh, he showed a little bit last year. I think it should be back, you know, this year, hopefully. And this is the last year I can say that because I said I said that last year too. So <laughs> um, I'm really hoping that comes back. And with Moniac, I just wanted to – I believe this was my last prospect pick, and I didn't really love any other prospects that were out there. Um, so I thought I would go with the still some upside former 1-1 pick, Mickey Moniak. Yeah, and he made his debut in 2020, and uh, there's always – there could be something, you know. I feel like anyone who makes a 1-1 pick now is going to be – Regardless of what they do in the minors, they're gonna the team's gonna try at least try and play them in the majors. But um, I thought uh, speaking of you, you called Felipe out for calling it a homer pick, and it's funny because <laughs> one of our first episodes that we did and when we rebranded as as the Total Basis Podcast was we made an entire fantasy lineup out of what we considered like the drolls of MLB. And Felipe just loves talking about the the Orioles and the Marlins. And it, it we joked because there they were, the Marlins, you know, we made an entire fantasy lineup. And then the Marlins end up in the playoffs. So we never really know how it's going to break. There's always, there's a lot of, and that what we left that episode with was there are values on bad teams. And I like to hear you say it without us like prodding you into it. I, I, I agree that I think that's a sentiment that not enough people look into. Yeah, and we always end up saying that the Orioles are just absolute misery for me in the winter because that's usually the first team I, I try to look at when and when I'm when I do these rankings uh, this part of the year. Uh, and you know, Sean and I we did an episode on the Orioles and it was like, hey, you know, they're not that bad, but they still are just make me angry. But they didn't. Hey, they were pretty good this year. They weren't. Yeah, they held their own. I thought they would be. They held their own. Yeah. Uh, really quick, Jason Rosario from the Padres. Oh man, the Padres! I love the Padres system. What? But Red Sox, Red Sox now, Red Sox Sorry, now. Yes, he here. was he was a part of the Mitch Moreland trade, and once again, we're going with OBP league. This is a guy that really probably should have gone sooner as a prospect in an OBP league. Um, walk rates of the last three years in minor league baseball, 14.7%, 12.7, and 16.6, giving him well above uh, on-base percentages throughout. Uh, some people have said that, you know, he was probably one of the best athletes in all of the Padre system and now the Red Sox system. And it's one of those things, How just how you mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes you have the skill doesn't match up with the athleticism. Rosario seems like a guy who they could even unlock more power with, like uh, Trevor mentioned with Duran. Uh, He's kind of got that left-handed swing, but he hasn't figured out how to kind of tap into some of his raw power. And if he does that, then he's a guy who can steal some bases. He kind of reminds me of Brandon Nemo, a guy who I wanted in this league, but we didn't get. So we just got the younger version of him. (laughs) <laughs> what are your thoughts on Rosario Trevor? Is he someone that's been on your radar at all? Uh, not, not particularly, but that's because of uh, all the other prospects that were in the Padres system back yeah. when I was, you know, beginning of the year when I was looking into it. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that, that uh, one of my, you know, his name is Diego Solaris. He's a great prospect guy um he's a Padres fan he likes him a lot so I, I I'm inclined to believe him I took Jake Cronenworth after talking to Diego and people 
seem to like that pick. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was in their their um, dynasty gurus mock last year. So okay, uh, Diego knows what he's talking about. So he he seems to like Rosario. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I was fo- I was just more focused on Hudson Potts going in that trade to the Red Sox because there were jokes to be made about it because <laughs> they already have seven of them. Oh, what? what? The Red Sox have seven I mean, just, pots in their minor leagues. I mean, not not the last name, just the, the type of player. Oh, he's the, he's the Bobby Dalbeck. The oh oh the Michael Shavis, the, the all plus power right. and complete. The, got some pop, no pit tool. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, hey, it's it's like the the Atlanta Braves with their pitchers. You know, they have these guys that creep into the top one hundred and then kind of fall back out and. They just throw them up against the wall in the major leagues, and one of them's bound to stick. Yeah, Ian Anderson stuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why trade any prospects when one of them could be good one of these days? And we'll just continue to lose to the Dodgers anyway, right? You All picked right. Brandon Belak. Wow, I was wondering. Yeah. I, I love Number Brandon 20, Belak. Twenty fourth round. There's uh, Trevor uh, picking Brandon Belak as well as Corey Abbott of the Cub. Uh, well, since uh, Sean mentioned it, let's start with uh, Trevor's picks. Uh, Trevor, why did you go with the way you went here in the last two rounds here? Um, I was just looking for baseball players whose names that I knew and, and who could help. It's <laughs> um, so true. Sure. I, I mean, when it gets this deep, I mean, you're just looking for like, you know, especially if you're not tanking and you're not looking for prospects because, you know, I, I thought about uh, J.B. Buskowskis for both of those picks who you guys took. Levi Kelly is a great pick that, that uh, Taylor Case made there. Um but overall, I was just, you know, Belak, I figured would get some time. And, and I always am inclined to believe that the Astros' ability to develop pitchers and make pitchers who are otherwise just kind of bleh to be good. <laughs> and I, I kind of feel that with uh, with Bilak. And then Corey Abbott, I, you know, I'd love to say there was some thinking behind it. I just wrote a, a scouting report for him like the day before I picked him. And uh, he, he's got a, a tool shed of, of average pitches, I think, and, and will just be a, a solid guy. And I think that he'll be up soon. And I found value in that. That's why he's on a bench. He's not even in a minor spot. I think he uh, um, could provide me some value in the near future and could, you know, be a little a good value pick for my last pick of the draft. And then uh, Sean and I, we went with uh, Michael Bauman from the Oriole. And yeah, yeah, I, I was, I knew at this point, you know, it had gotten so deep and the draft had been going on for probably a little over two weeks at this point, three years, four years. Yeah. yeah, three. It's been 84 years insert meme here. And so I I didn't, um, do, um, uh, I, I wasn't talking to Felipe about the draft as much at this point. And I, I really, I knew I was going to go pitcher prospect for the last two. And I was just like at my wits end trying to fit, find somebody. And um, uh, Michael Bauman, I, I think is a guy who uh, kind of like Belak is more than the sum of his parts. And I think Bauman's kind of, kind of, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, he's taken a back seat to Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall the other premier arms in that system. And it's, I think to a point where people have forgotten that Bauman's a little bit better than what we anticipate. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that there's uh, some value there. And there it is. 30, 25 rounds of a 30 team mock draft. Like this 730 picks or 750 yeah. picks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is my first endeavor into it. Like I said, I don't know if I'm ever doing this again, but it was a very interesting exercise. Thank you guys for having me out. Uh, 
be a little bit a part of it. And uh, are you guys going to be doing more of these uh, mock drafts in the future? I'm not sure what TDG is doing. If they do another one, I'll be, I think they mentioned about doing one maybe closer to spring, uh, okay. which would be interesting to, to look into, to see how ADPs have changed as news breaks, as trades happen, you know, all that good stuff. Well, that was awesome. Uh, you mentioned that Trevor is a Tigers fan. Uh, the Tigers did hire AJ Hinch. Uh, Trevor, are you excited for that hire? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I, I know that that comes with the uh, the controversy of him being suspended for cheating and everything. But I just figure if the Tigers start cheating, they'll get to 500, and I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think it's a great hire. I, I mean, look, I'm less inclined to be upset about uh, about cheating when you you get a guy like Hinch who can win. Everybody was going to be going after him. Um, so the other fan bases who are going to say, "Oh, well, you were cheating." Well, if you had a manager opening, you'd do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's not trying to dismiss what he did. Obviously, cheating bad. I'm not saying it's good, but uh, in terms of just what you can get on a uh, from a manager, I, I think it's a good hire if you can remove the cheating, which you can't. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was a good pick. Better than yeah, Tony and it kind of went out. <laughs> it came out of nowhere because the White Sox were ready to like the rumors were. And, and Sean, if you want to back me up on this, the rumors were that. Hinch was going to the White Sox for a long time now. And then here comes the rumors about Tony La Russa. Now they can't be real. They can't be real. And it keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And now we have the White Sox have Tony La Russa as her 2021 manager on a team full of <laughs> you young sound guys. so enthused. And minority players. I mean, I'm trying, man. Because I, mean, like I, told, I told Matt Bushnell this past week, like, I'm going to try to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Cautiously optimistic about it. But uh, after listening to the Ben Lindbergh podcast, uh, the Effectively Wild podcast, uh, I any optimism I might have had might have just gone out the window yesterday as I was uh, catching up on that episode. As uh, it's, it's very heartbreaking, not heartbreaking, but discouraging. Discouraging is the right word. And uh, I don't even know if I wanted AJ Hinge and the White Sox, but I definitely did not want Tony Russa. So, well, well, let me ask you, Trevor, since you're here, I, I want to pick your brain a little bit more here about the real baseball here. If the Tigers would have gone after Tony La Russa, what would have been your reaction? Why? What, what, what <laughs> have been? What would have been? Oh, that is your reaction. I think you're asking me. No. I oh, I'm so I mean, sorry. I'm the same reaction. The same reaction I had when I saw the White Sox going after him. It's like, why? I mean, like Tony La Russa, great manager. I mean, fantastic manager for when, when he was with the Cardinals. You know, Cardinals fans love him, but like the, the it's the game has changed so much in the what nine years since he last yeah. managed a baseball game. Um, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what happens. Um, I thought I read somewhere, heard somewhere that maybe he's he's taken uh, more of an interest in like saber metrics and stuff. So maybe that maybe maybe he's got a younger mind than we think. But uh, it's certainly an interesting move. And I would have thought that if the Tigers did, if the Tigers did, I would make a joke about the Tigers doing the Tigers <laughs> things. But um, the White Sox are doing the Tigers things now. So I, I yeah. just think it's really interesting. As if someone who's a complete, like, thir unbiased third party, I think that it's not as bad of a hire as a lot of – I mean, obviously hiring a 76-year-old to manage your team when it's full of really young, you know, of the new kind of new brand of players, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. But remember when everyone was criticizing Tony La Russa for overthinking and y using analytics to bat his pitcher eighth? 
And that was not that long ago when people were like, oh, Tony LaRusso is batting his pitcher eighth. Why is he doing that? He shouldn't be doing that. Well, Tony LaRusso was kind of following the numbers when he did that. And I think it's one of those, I, it's going to go better than people expect. I think Tony LaRusso will let the players be players, but at the same time, they have a lot of young talent on that that need to be kind of directed. And I think he's going to do a, a great job of focusing their energies and talents towards not just being the, the a flashy baseball player and, you know, being exciting, which they are, but being a winning baseball team. And I think if there's a guy that knows how to create a, a winning baseball culture, uh, it's hard not to like Tony LaRusso. Granted, this could all blow up drastically, but I think it's going to go better than expected. One, because of the talent on the roster, and mm-hmm. two, because of Tony LaRusso's winning, like just history. And that's what I wanted. To, that's why I'm cautiously optimistic for all the reasons you just mentioned there, Sean. It's like, okay, well, it is Tony LaRusso, but all the things you mentioned, that was Tony LaRusso from. 10 years ago and yeah. and i'll even go even further than that i mean tony la Russa from 20 30 years ago he did revolutionize the way we we think about bullpen management and pitching management right he did all that i mean yeah. at a time where everybody was still under the thought process that every pitcher should go nine innings or whatever la Russa was like no nah, i got a really good bullpen i'm just gonna use uh based on matchups and i mean he's the original you know take the guy out, out of the sixth or seventh inning because I got a really good bullpen to use here. And even before that, my favorite thing about Tony Russa, you know, apropos to 2020, as wacky as it is, he's been accused of cheating and using cameras and trying to steal signals and using technology. So it's like, it's like the most 2020 hire for all the <laughs> 2020 reasons. Uh, and then even Jerry Reinsdorf, who's the owner of the, uh, or the main principal chairman here, uh, he's been known to, he doesn't call it saver metrics or uh, analytics, but he's been known to have some, a little bit of analytics uh, in his thought pro- in his business decisions. I mean, this is a guy who traded away all like three veteran pitchers in 1997 because he didn't, that he thought the better approach to the 1997 season was just to give up and let Cleveland take the division and fight for next year, which to this day, you ask any White Sox fan, a lot of White Sox fans are still apathetic because that stupid trade that happened in 1997. But I mean, so they're analytic, but they're not really analytic. And LaRusso already said, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take Rick Khan's, uh, you know, suggestions from the front office. But, I mean, ultimately, it's my decision to make, and I'm going to go with my gut. And so that's why I'm kind of uh, down on analytics. But then again, Rick Renteria was down on analytics, too. And it's just this whole thing. But anyway, that's the – I don't know. I'm, I'm – I'm like 10% optimistic about it at this point, but we'll see. Like you mentioned, Sean, a lot of talent on this team. Uh, They're too good and too flashy, like you said, to fail. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there's a mutiny between the players. Yeah, that that would be the biggest issue is if there's some sort of uh, Yadier Molina versus um, who – Matheny type coup in the the clubhouse. But – I think they have the talent and they have the the flashiness, but they need someone who can instill kind of like this winning culture. And I think Larissa can do that. All right. So let's see here. I believe Trevor had some prospects. We're going to pocket our prospects and wait till next week. I figured Sean and I, we talked about prospects, but uh, Trevor, it sounds like you had two prospects, two little known prospects you wanted to talk about. Is that right? 
Yeah, I can talk about as many little-known prospects as you'd like. Um, <laughs> well, give me one hitter and one pitcher. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the hitter, obviously, Bryant Packard. I was just talking about how much I love him, so I won't dive into it too much. But uh, um, I don't know how little-known he is, but I think he's fantastic and, and a lot of fun to watch. I, uh, you know, I, I was watching for Riley Green when he first got called up to West mm-hmm. Michigan, and all of a sudden I see this other guy who impressed the heck out of me, and that was Bryant Packard. So um, definitely a guy to, to look into, especially if you love prospects. For the pitcher, that's tough. Um, to keep it in the Tigers organization, you know, you have the big three, you have maybe Joey Wentz, who I, I like into Dallas Keuchel. Um, but the guy that I'm going to pull out and the name I'm going to give um, is like a, as obscure as you could probably get. Um, <laughs> Love it. And that is Hugh Smith. Um, Hugh Smith was from a uh, two, three years ago's draft. He was a 10th rounder out of division three. Um, he, he entered college at like five ten or something like that blew up. He's six, nine now or something like that. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I have him up on Fangrass and they have him listed yeah. as six ten. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. So you watch him and he's as gangly as you think he'd be. He's his, his, all of the stuff that comes with long levers like that are, are there in, in terms of inconsistent delivery. He doesn't spin a curveball well, but his fastball obviously you know, he's, I think he's still got some room for a more extension there, but his fastball's mid-upper 90s um, when his arm is healthy, and he's got a nice changeup. And he can – it's the weirdest thing. It's not really that weird, but I love watching it because he can locate his fastball and changeup arm side as well as anybody. If you want him to go glove side to the other side of the plate, which would be inside on a left-handed hitter, it, it's questionable at best. So – um, I, I really like Hugh Smith. He's fun to watch. I watched, I've watched every single one of his starts at least twice, um, from, from 2019. So, um, yeah, he's a fun guy to watch. So um, is he kind of like the Detroit Tigers, Sean Jelly? Yeah, uh, but not, the, the, not, the 6'11 not as... giant for the, uh, for the giants, ironically, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, that's no, what he's... I'm figuring is like, they're both tall right handers with you know ground balls i'm looking at his you know he didn't give up pretty good uh ground ball percentage low home runs uh i kind of see a a little bit of a same thing here going yeah kind of um also i think uh has got a lot more chance to start than than hugh smith does i think hugh smith is a reliever if anything hugh smith is very high volatility especially given age and the fact that he was division three so he's coming in you know barely a step above prep guys out of the draft Um, which, which is something also. So I, he's going to be interesting to see how to develop. If you want a name that might be a little bit more relevant, I will kill Hernandez might be your guy, but, but definitely if I have to shout one out, it's going to be uh, Hugh Smith. Cause uh, I, I think he's awesome. This is why I love doing this segment. Cause I had never even heard of this guy. And now it's someone that I'm going to go put up. I'm going to star in fan tracks and like all of my dynasty. I'm just going to keep his little star bubbled. And then, in three years when he's not even in professional baseball anymore, but still in the fan tracks database, I'm going to be like, I remember when Trevor came on our show and told me about this six foot 10 gangly right-hander. And I was excited about baseball. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm putting him on my spreadsheet here as, we, as you guys are talking. There, Sean. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, Trevor. No, he's, I know he's, he's a lot of fun. Obscure prospects can be very fun. And he is as interesting as they come. Like I said, nice changeup, good fastball. Learning to spin a curveball, I think, uh, you know, could get there, but I think eventually he'll just become a, if anything, he'll become just like a middle reliever, but a very tall one. 
And you know what's hilarious about this, Felipe? And I don't think we're going to be able to beat it uh, in shows going forward. But he picked a prospect that wasn't even in the Tigers' top 40, according to fan graphs. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's obscure. I mean, we're talking 40 guys in the Detroit Tigers, and he's not even in there. But we still got excited about it. That's what I love about prospects. And that's what I love about doing this segment and about having someone like Trevor on who is a prospects guy. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the show, Trevor. Uh, Once again, just to wrap everything up, where can we find you on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you do? Uh, Where's the best place to catch you? Uh, Twitter for sure at Hooth Trevor. And you guys will not regret it. He keeps me laughing like, all the time it's even if it's not baseball stuff i am laughing <laughs> yeah, yeah Trevor, it's well, nice I mean, talking to you man yeah it's been great thanks thank you for having me i i enjoyed it and you want to take us home felipe yeah you've been listening to the total basis podcast uh here on baseball life live uh you will catch us on all of our platforms on spotify stitcher apple on youtube when the so you guys can see the spreadsheets uh get the visuals there and uh, we'll be back next sunday uh and make sure to catch dong city on monday night tomorrow uh tuesdays the audible at football life we do have a bunch of life groups there uh, uh i call them life groups or we call them life groups but trevor we have a bunch of uh, little separate groups on facebook that you know go with each sport that we do so that's why i'm naming them all like now uh <laughs> ball is life uh is the, the basketball group and they'll be back next Wednesday as they're going to go every other week from here on out during the off season to talk some uh, hoops and the audible double duty starters that they are. They are uh, the, the, t- the Tyler male of, of our podcast, really Sean. <laughs> uh, they'll go on Friday morning, afternoon, wh- whatever the case is uh, to preview the upcoming action on Sundays. And then we start all over again, Sunday mornings right here, face baseball live Facebook group, the total basis podcast 10 a.m. award show the award show next week the award show is next week i am excited to uh hand out some hardware virtually so to speak <laughs> they're just pieces of metal, pieces of metal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're, sean and i we're gonna the, the, try to do some uh you know both real and fantasy aspect of uh what do you call it just handing out awards obscure awards and uh, of course the Traditional awards like MVP, Rookie of the Year, and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So for Sean Connery, oh God, I almost did it again, Sean, Sean Connery <laughs> Flannery. One more time for Sean Connery Flannery. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. This is the Total Basis Podcast. We'll see you next week.